Welcome to Broadway Baptist Church. It's great to see everyone here this morning. We're so glad you've come to worship with us this morning. Uh, whether you're a, a member uh, who's been coming for years or this is your first time, we're so glad you are here to worship uh, with us this morning. This is, uh, you know, this is obviously a special time every, every week. Easter is approaching. Uh, the joy of that day of Easter certainly is, is great and significant, but as Christians, as a church, as we gather, we truly do celebrate the resurrection every single week. That is why we gather, uh, so we are so glad that we are here today as a church to worship the King. Our identity is in Jesus alone, so we're so glad uh, that you are here. And if you are a guest with us this morning, we are especially glad you're here. I uh, hope, hope you feel welcome. Uh, and if you would, if you don't mind, we do have a connect card. We just want to know that, that you came by uh, this morning. We want to let you know that we're glad you did. Uh, so there is a tear-off tab uh, in the bulletin. You can just fill out a little bit of that and let us know. Uh, we want to know how we can minister to you, how we can pray for you. Uh, whatever it is, uh, we would certainly like to know. So thank you for filling that out. Drop it in the offering plate when it comes by, and uh, if just if you're someone in the church looking for a way to plug in, if there's a ministry you're interested in or anything like that, or if you need prayer, uh, please fill that out and let us know and we'll be glad to do so. So um, let us stand uh, for the reading of God's word. Psalm 138, Psalm of David. I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down toward your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of my soul increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth. And they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, uh, we're so glad you're here. I know we have uh, the Lord's Supper this morning, so we are excited about that. It looks like Daniel... Oh. <laughs> Today is a special day. Today's Zach's birthday. So we have a gift here for him. <clears throat> Not only that, yesterday, him and his wife, Beth, they announced they're having... A, they, you know, they're pregnant... But they announced the gender of their child, so they're having a boy. So they're, they're going to name him Zechariah to no, keep his no, Z going. No, that's not. Zach, go ahead and open it up. We haven't named the baby up. yet, so. <laughs> go ahead and open it up. Now, this wasn't the original gift because um, one team lost yesterday, but so we had to indoctrinate Zach in that, so. The baby has not been named. He's only joking. <laughs> well, my wife will like this, so. There we go. <laughs> Hey, that's pretty nice. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. I really, uh, I'm very honored. That is seriously very nice. I, I did need one of these, so thank you very much. Uh, thank you. Well, 
with that, uh, please take this time uh, and greet the neighbors around you. All right, remain standing. We're going to sing He Lives. Father, what a joy in our hearts this morning as we gather for this special time of worship, 
this special time of the year whenever we are reminded of what you did through your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. How he went yonder to Calvary and poured out his life's blood for the sins of the world, my sins included. Buried in the borrowed tomb on the third day, he arose triumphant and victorious and then later ascended into the heaven. Seated at your right hand, interceding for us, your children, today. And for those who do not know him as their personal Lord and Savior, he loves. He sends the blessed Holy Spirit to abide in his people and to convict the lost of their lostness. May your great convicting power move in this place this morning. Cleanse us of our righteousness, all of our unrighteousness. And for those who do not know you as Savior and Lord, may that deep conviction fall and they will fall on their faces and crying out for mercy. Thank you for the hope that we have through the shed blood and the resurrection of our Lord. Father, help us to be joyous and sharing the good news with people all about us. We pray today for those that have entered these, this place of worship with heaviness of heart. We pray that they will lay that at the foot of the cross, acknowledging their need. And Lord, that you would move in a great way in their hearts and lifting those burdens. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh upon us. And as we come to your table this morning, prepare us in Jesus' name. Amen.
you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity that we have to come to your house to sing praises unto you and to hear your word. Lord, we just give you thanks for the many blessings you have bestowed upon us. And now as we come to the time that we can give back a, a portion of that that you have given to us, may you use it, Lord, and may we use it as a, to help build your kingdom and to help show others Christ. Be with the pastor today as he brings us a message. Be with, with us as we partake of the Lord's Supper. May everything that's said and done here today honor and glorify your name. For it's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.
So I noticed the plant was knocked over. Sherry and I are sitting in the front row thinking that we the plant sideways. So <laughs> it means we need to refocus our attention. <laughs> so anyway, open your Bibles to the book of John. Book of John. We're going to look at three different um, uh, scripture passages here in John. We are two weeks from Easter. This is a time when you're very close to Easter. You certainly need to know the, the events leading up to Jesus' crucifixion, Jesus' resurrection. So we're going to see here about when Peter, who, is, who will emerge after Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection as the leader of the early church, how he denies Jesus. And he did it, and we're going to look at three different places here in John. You want to turn to go ahead and turn to John chapter 13. Then we're going to look at John 18. Then we're going to look at John 21. Because we're going to look at what, what P- Peter made a statement. He made a very bold statement about what he was going to do. And Jesus said otherwise. Then, of course, Peter did what Jesus said. Then at the end, after the resurrection, you know, during the whole crucifixion, Peter, who was actually the very first person to confess Jesus as the Messiah, as Christ. He's completely absent there during the crucifixion. And all of a sudden, Jesus reinstated Peter. He came to him because he had to have a talk. There was unfinished business. It was almost as if, uh, a time where if someone ever hurts you or has done something wrong, and you think, until our friendship or our relationship or even our marriage moves forward, we've got to talk about the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is this event happened back here, and we can't ignore it, we've got to address it. And that's what Jesus did. He was the one who took the initiative. Jesus is one of those guys, he talks about the elephants in the room with that. So uh, we're going to look here in this book. Turn to John chapter 13, verse 36 through 30, 38. Last Sunday, we looked at Jesus's betrayal. Now, what ha- when we hear, we hear about Jesus's betrayal, what that what we think of when we think of that is the time when Judas, obviously, he turned, he turned against Jesus, and Jesus was arrested, and he was hauled off, and he went, uh, went to a trial. But if you remember what happened, though, is we remember Peter did something. He, that wasn't in the game plan. They were in the Garden of Gethsemane play, uh, praying, and all of a sudden, here comes the army and the soldiers with Judas, and next thing you know, Peter's thinking, whoa, what's this? So he, when something unexpected happens in your life, if you're a type of guy like Peter or a gal like Peter, he just grabbed his sword and started swinging, and whoever it hit, you just got hit. Too bad, it's your fault. Shouldn't have been standing there. And sure enough, there was a man named Malchus, and his ear got hit and cut off. And Jesus told Peter, put your sword away, touched Malchus's ear, and Malchus was healed again. So we, we talked about last week, the one person who knew Jesus was the Messiah was the guy that got his ear put back on after he, um, uh, after he was, uh, was being arrested there. So now we're going to come to something where Peter is going to make a very bold claim, and Jesus is going to firmly say, no, no you're not. So John chapter 13, verses 36 through 38. We're going to read these three verses here. And um, before we read these, I want to um, read something out of the book of Luke. Jesus said something, made a statement about Peter that was very profound. And it, we need to know this because it, it relates to us as well. In Luke twenty two thirty one, you don't have to turn there. It says, Simon, Simon, that's um, Peter's name. Look out. Satan has asked 
to sift you like wheat. Now, think about what Jesus just said. Peter, look out, because Satan has demanded you. He's sifting you. Why is Satan sifting Peter? Why does he want to test him to see, Peter, I want to see what you're made of. Remember that Old Testament story of Job? Satan appears before God, and God even says, have you seen my servant Job? And Satan says, well, it's because you've blessed him. You take away all his possessions and his family, we'll see if the guy really serves you. And Job did. Then next was, okay, you remove his health. Make him, the most, make him barely alive. You can't kill him. It, the Bible says Job was the most sick man. Who, he had sores from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. It was complete misery for him. All his family had died. He was half dead, barely alive. He lost all of his possessions, his home, everything he owned. And it says he did not sin. He still continued to praise the name of the Lord. And what happened there is he was being sifted by the devil. What that means is, is God wants to see if tough times come upon your life, if something unexpected happens in your life, are you still going to serve and be faithful to the Lord? When you get a cancer diagnosis, when your marriage has fallen apart, when your kids have gone wild and they've completely denied you and the Lord and everyone else, when you've lost your job and you have no income and no retirement, do you still cling to the Lord? That's what it means. See, what makes you hold on to the Lord? So what's happening is the devil has asked Peter, or asked, asked the Lord, I want to sift Peter. I want to see what this man is made of. And listen, if he's sifting Peter, he's sifting you. We are not promised an easy life. Peter, he might have had it easy at this point, but everything for Peter is about to change. So, that was a question here. And then you think about Peter. And Peter's one of these guys, he's going to make a bold statement that he'll never deny Jesus. And you think, well... Yeah, that's silly, man. I couldn't believe he said it. But if you think about it, I bet if most of us were in Peter's shoes, we would have said the same thing. Here's why. Peter was a fisherman. The Bible says that he left everything to follow Jesus. Do you remember how Peter came to know Jesus? His brother Andrew brought him to the Lord. Andrew first met Jesus and says, I really like this guy. I'm going to bring my brother Peter. And Peter showed up. His name was Simon back then. Jesus renamed him and says, you're going to be Peter because I'm, you're going to be a rock. I'm going to build something on you. Peter was the very first person in the Bible to call Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. He, he responded that way. So he left his whole fishing business. He was a, a fisherman. Not only that, Peter walked on water. You know, most folks can't say they've done that, but Peter did. So if you've walked on water, you left everything you've owned to follow this man, and not only that, there was an event called the Transfiguration. That's when God affirmed Jesus. Well, uh, came down in a cloud, and uh, Moses and Elijah were there. Well, Peter witnessed that. So you think about Peter. He was a stakeholder. He had a lot in this, uh, this 
process of becoming a disciple. So he's thinking, I've walked on water. I've left my whole fishing business and everything to follow you. I've even experienced the transfiguration. I've seen Elijah and Moses appear. Yeah, I'm not going to deny you. How dare you say I'm going to deny you, Jesus? I'm your number one man. If anyone has any meat in the game, so to say, it's me. So that's what we pick up on. John 13, 36. I want you to follow along in your Bibles. Lord, Simon Peter said to him, where are you going? And that's important because Jesus had just talked about how he was going to die. He was going to be betrayed. So they don't understand what's happening. Remember, they're expecting Jesus to be a political leader. He's going to be the next King David. He's going to reign on the throne there in Jerusalem. So then Peter asks this question, where are you going? Like, the, the, Jerusalem's that way. That's where the temple is. We need to be marching towards there. Jesus answered, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Now, where is Jesus going? Jesus is going to Jerusalem to die. And he can't follow him now because what's going to happen is Peter's going to turn. He's going to deny Jesus three times. We're going to see here. But Jesus also says, you're not going to be a follower right now, but you will follow me later. And that later is when he's reinstated. Jesus obviously is God. He knows what's going to happen here. Now look at this. Verse 37. Lord, Peter asked, why can't I follow you now? Like, I want it now. There's no reason to wait for later. I want now. <clears throat> Yesterday was St. Patrick's Day. This is how, this is how folks are. We want, we want our stuff. So on Friday, our children, we have two kindergartners. They go to Wellington Elementary School. And at, at Wellington Elementary School, um, they were celebrating since St. Patrick's Day fell on Saturday. Everybody wore their green on Friday. So uh, Benjamin and Esther came home with these little pots of gold. But instead of gold being in there, it was candy. I mean, it was candy gold coins. It wasn't real gold. And Benjamin brought it home because I guess on St. Patrick's Day, you get a pot of gold. And uh, that night, he took his pot of gold. No, this is a true story. And he wanted to put it under his pillow for when St. Patrick came in the middle of the night. He was going to fill up his little, little pot of real gold. He's being seriously slept with his pot of gold under his pillow. Now, wouldn't it be great if we all went to bed each night and we put a, a little pot under our pillow and the next morning we wake up and St. Patrick came and filled our pot up with gold. It would be a great life. Say, so this is what I need the way, this is my daily bread, my pot of gold that I can make it <clears throat> through each day. Well, I share that because Peter Peter's has this mindset. Jesus is telling him, you can't follow me. He's saying, why can't I follow you now? Yes, I can. Just like a child, I got a pot, we'll put it under the pillow, just like the tooth fairy and uh, Easter Bunny, everybody else, you just put on your pillow and comes back, here's your stuff. That's how Peter has this simple mindset. Jesus says, you can't follow me. And Peter's saying, yes, I can. Why can't I? And look what he says in verse 7, 37. He makes this statement. I will lay down my life for you. There you have it. Peter's boldly claiming something. And he, he said the exact opposite of what jesus christ just said jesus says you cannot follow me now peter says wrong i'm about to die for you let's go to the cross jesus says here will you lay your life down for me 
Truly, I tell you, a rooster will crow will not crow until you have denied me three times. There it is. You notice Peter doesn't even reply to that. He's just, whatever, I'm not going to deny you three times. There's no roosters around here. What are you talking about, Jesus? I'm your number one follower. I'm ready to die. Now flip over here. Let's look here. John chapter 18. This is the story here. This is the night, the night, the night that Jesus is being arrested. So what happened here is, we looked at last week, Jesus was just arrested. He went to a man named Annas, who was the um, father-in-law of uh, Caiaphas, who was the high priest. So uh, being the high priest was in their family, so Jesus is being tried or, uh, originally on religious charges. We don't, they don't like this man. He's claiming he's the Messiah. He can tear down the temple and build it back up in three days, which represents his temple, his, his, his body. So what's happening here in John chapter 18, verse 15 we want to see the denial. So I want you to understand, while we, we read this, we have to understand, Peter's one of these guys who's a self-made man. He had, his, he had a good fishing business. He had some brothers he fished with. He was his dad. He was self-righteous. He believed he was good enough. And truthfully, guys, most we're like that. They're, that's how most folks are. You work hard. You are, um, you're responsible. You make wise choices. You're following the Lord and what God's plan is for your life. You're leading your family in the ways of the Lord. You're active in church. You're a servant. You're a deacon. You're a leader. You serve the Lord faithfully. You read your Bibles. You have a prayer life. Saying, God, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. That's who Peter was. And he's just one of these bold guys. He was outspoken. Little crass. A little unpredictable somewhat, but he was faithful. He loved the Lord. He was very similar to many of the men here today. Just like, just like us. And all of a sudden, Jesus has told him he's going to deny him. What's interesting about that is, uh, before we read these verses, if you remember, back in John chapter 13, Jesus says, you can't follow me now. So that means there's going to come a point that you will be able to follow me. He's going to have to go through some changes. What's about to happen here in John chapter 18 is Jesus is going to take, allow Peter to experience something that's actually going to prepare Peter to be the leader in the early church. In order to be the man of God that Peter needs to be, he has to undergo these trials. He has to experience this. You have to, Psalm 23, you have to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There's periods that you're just in a, you're in a valley. You're going through that time. And God's watching. You see, are you going to cling to the Lord? Are you going to be rooted in God's Word and Scripture? Even when other folks are turning against you, and they're not going the path you're going, are you going to cling to your Bible and say, this is what the, the, thus saith the Lord, this is what God wants me to do, even if it's not the most popular thing. God is going to allow, Jesus is going to allow Peter to experience that. What's also interesting here is one of the reasons why Peter couldn't follow Jesus in John chapter 13, as well as John chapter 18, is because Peter had no power within himself to continue as Jesus' disciple. Now we celebrate something called Pentecost. What happened is Jesus, obviously, was uh, Passover starts, 
Oh no, two weeks from today is Easter. That's when Jesus was resurrected on Easter morning. So Resurrection Sunday. Well, Passover begins for Jewish folks on Friday night at sundown. So Jesus was crucified right before Passover began. He died at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and they put him in a tomb. That way he could be buried for Passover because they weren't supposed to bury, they weren't supposed to work over on a Sabbath. So uh, Passover started about 6, 7 o'clock, so we had to hurry up and get Jesus in a tomb so we could go not work. That was what they were doing, go celebrate Passover. Well, what happened is um, Jesus was resurrected on uh, Sunday morning, and the Bible says that Jesus appeared to his disciples after the resurrection for 40 days. 40 days there after Passover, after the resurrection. Well, then Pentecost is then 50 days after Passover, after Easter. So Pentecost is an event that occurred 10 days after Jesus' ascension when he went to heaven. It's day 50 when all the folks are in Jerusalem and the Holy Spirit came. Well, Pentecost is when Holy Spirit came to indwell in believers' lives. This is in Acts chapter 2. Well, at that point, Peter was there. So he now has the indwelling because he's experienced Pentecost and the Holy Spirit's present. He has the indwelling presence of God, of Christ in his life. So at that point, what this means here is Christ, the Holy Spirit, he indwells in us to give us the power to follow him. Because what's happening at this point, we're seeing a, we're seeing a Peter who's doing things in his own strength. And he can't handle it. Satan is sifting this man. Satan realizes Peter's about to become the leader of the disciples. So if there's someone I'm going to take out, if there's someone I want to eliminate and cut his feet off, it's that man Peter right there, that guy who used to be a fisherman. Because I know what he's about to do in the book of Acts. So Peter, it, Jesus is telling us, says, Peter, you just hang around because something's about to happen and you're about to have a power and a boldness that no one else has. And that extends to us today. That's what the Holy Spirit is in our life. We have the power to say no to temptation and say yes to Jesus because of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what it means to respond to Him. He indwells in our life. So here we're about to see a weak Peter. I have a picture up here on the screen. It's actually, this is going to illustrate it here in uh, John chapter 18. That's Peter. I think this is one of the best pictures we're about to read. We're about to see this. Do you know who accuses Peter of being a disciple? A servant girl. And right here, he's around a campfire, and they're pointing, hey, aren't you one of his followers? Aren't you? Weren't you with Jesus, the guy who's now on trial? That's, that's what Peter looked like, just a tough guy who's getting accused sitting around the campfire right here by a servant girl. John chapter 18, verse 15. Simon Peter was following Jesus. So now Jesus has been arrested. As was another disciple, that disciple's John. That disciple was an acquaintance of the high priest, so he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. So Peter's um, in the courtyard here, so is, uh, or I'm sorry, John's in the courtyard, uh, Peter's out uh, by the fire. But Peter remained standing outside by the door. So the other disciple, the one known to be the high priest, known to the high priest, went in and spoke to the girl who was the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. So now Peter's going to come inside too. Then the servant girl, who is the doorkeeper, said to Peter, You aren't one of this man's disciples too, are you? Aren't you one of these guys? 
almost as a, surely you're not a shame on you being a follower of Jesus. Asking Peter this question. Now remember, we just saw in verse 1337 how Peter's about to die for Jesus. He's certainly not going to deny him. I am not, he said. Now the servants and the officials had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. They were standing there warming themselves, and Peter was standing with them warming himself. How disappointing. Peter just denied to even be a follower of Jesus Christ. Right here. I'm not one of this one of his followers he's lying that's the ninth commandment not only is he denying jesus he's also lying about being a follower of jesus skip down now we see we're not going we see jesus now before annas and the cyphus the high priest they're asking him theological questions about what he spoke about and jesus is saying hey if you wanted to hear what i said i spoke openly in the temple no no secrets of me my private life and my public life are the same He's uh, one of these guys, Jesus, who boldly proclaims that. Now look at verse 25. This is our second and third denial here. This is Peter. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They said to him, You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? I mean, this is the second time. Aren't you a follower? He denied it and, and again and said, I am not. I mean, he's lying right here. Then one of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off. So now, they're really looking at Peter and says, you're out there, that crazy man swinging a sword. Like, I know who you are. Like, you, cut it, you just cut a man's ear off, but you know, Jesus put it back on, healed the guy. Didn't I see you with him in the garden? Like, they know who this guy is. Peter's always with Jesus. But we have to remember, this is late at night. We're by campfire, so it's hard to see, folks. There's no, there aren't lights out there. Peter denied it again, and immediately a rooster crowed. Immediately. Three times. We don't, we don't need to turn over there, but in Luke twenty two sixty two of this account, it says after he did this, after he heard the rooster crow the third time, it says he went outside and he wept bitterly. And it actually says in Luke's account that their eyes, Jesus and Peter's eyes, met. Now, probably what happened in that account is what occurred is, remember, Jesus is tied up. And Peter's in that inner courtyard there, the high priest. So he, Jesus is over in a distance, and he's probably being led away, and the rooster's crowing as Jesus walks, is walking by over there. They look at each other. The rooster just crowed, Three times he had denied them, and their eyes met. And Jesus is tied up, handcuffed, you know, headed to the cross. This is Jesus' leader. And everything the Lord said was right. Peter let him down. And you know, in the next story here is obviously Jesus is crucified. He's a beaten, he dies on a cross. And nowhere is Peter to be found. He's completely absent. But then, at the resurrection, when the, girl, when the ladies went to the tomb, they show up, and the tomb's obviously rolled away. It says they went back and reported Peter, and he ran full speed as fast as he could. It says John actually outran him. 
So probably John was in better, better shape than Peter was. Peter was probably a big guy. And uh, John outran him there. And uh, the Bible says that Peter was uh, baffled because he's thinking, where is he at? Like, he's dead and his tomb's empty. So now I want you to flip over here. Jesus is now alive. But Jesus is going to seek this man out. So follow what's happening here. Peter boldly proclaims he's going to die for Jesus. Now he's denied him three times. Now Jesus is alive, and they're going fishing. So flip over to the last section here. John chapter 21. John chapter 21, reading verse 15 through 19. Because Jesus is about to do something, and this is how it applies to us. When someone has sinned against you, or there's been conflict in a relationship or a friendship, Jesus took the initiative to restore that relationship. And instead of allowing the elephant in the room or the awkward silence or something to happen here where we're just going to pretend that event with me denying you and that even though our eyes met, it really never occurred. We'll just pretend it didn't happen. Jesus says, no, we've got to address this. Listen, if there's a problem, with you, if you have a problem with your brother or your sister, you need to talk to them. Things just don't get better. We can't pretend it didn't happen. And what's powerful about this, Jesus is going to do that. He's going to be the one that says, Jesus, we've, Peter, we've got, we've got to talk. Because I'm about to make you, I'm about to restore our friendship. And I'm going to make you, reinstate you as a disciple. And you're about to be a disciple who's now going to be a leader. And not only that, Peter, you're about to die. You're going to die for me. This is an incredible message here of reconciliation. If you need to be restored to someone, this is a model of what Jesus did. Verse 15. Now, they, they went fishing here, and, uh, uh, and Jesus is uh, on, the, um, on the beach, and he's, they're by a campfire, of course, and they're serving fish. Jesus is cooking. They, they eat fish for breakfast. Verse 15. When they had eaten breakfast... Jesus asked Simon Peter, now remember, the other disciples are there too. So this can be awkward somewhat. And I want you to know why Jesus is doing this in front of the other disciples. The other disciples, are at the, they're at the cross. They saw Jesus hanging there. Now a lot of them ran away, but they were aware of what happened. Who's the one person who was missing in action? It's Peter. So the other disciples are aware, hey, our leader... He just bailed on us. Like, what happened? Like, where'd he go? Like, we, we're following this guy, Peter, and he's nowhere to be found. So we're sitting, at, we're sitting on the beach, and Jesus, is, we're, Jesus walks up, and we're cooking breakfast. We're eating our fish, and we've got the 11 disciples. Judas is dead. He hung himself after he betrayed Jesus. So we've got 11 disciples here, and look what Jesus says in front of them. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Meaning, you love me more than these other disciples? And the reason Jesus said that is because Peter was one of these guys who believed, you know, I actually love Jesus more than all these other folks. I'm truly the leader. I will go die for you. Jesus didn't die, or uh, Peter didn't die for him at this point. He denied him. He lied about him. He sinned. So he's asking the question, you love me more than these other folks. 
Yes, Lord, he said to them, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told them. A second time he asked them, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to them, you know that I love me. You love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told them. He asked them a third time. Do you all know why he's doing three times? Because Peter denied him three times. He's reinstating him. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. Like if anybody here knows something, it's you. Because you knew I was going to deny you. Now you can see my heart that I love you. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands as someone else will tie and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to indicate what kind of death Peter would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. Peter is going to die a martyr's death. Now, we don't know how Peter died. But the history books outside the Bible record that Peter was crucified upside down. He didn't want to be crucified right side up because Jesus was crucified that way. So he thought, if I'm going to get crucified, just turn me upside down and I'll be willing to die that way. Peter gave his life for Jesus. And it says, Peter, when you get older, when you were a young man, you just did whatever you wanted to do. You put a pot under your pillow and leper, uh, St. Patrick filled it up with gold. It was easy life. But there's going to come a time in your life where all of a sudden you're going to get tied up. Things are going to happen that you didn't plan for. It's going to be hard following Christ. And listen, if it's hard for Peter, it's going to be hard for us. Being a disciple is and should be never easy. And after he reinstated him, it said in there verse 19, you now come and follow me. Do you know the very first call that Peter received from Jesus was, follow me. And then we had to deny him. We had to predict that I'll never deny you. We had to get reinstated. We had to have a repentance here. And then after all this happens, Jesus still offers that gospel call, follow me. Now, some of us, tying this in with us, some of us are just like Peter. You've denied the Lord. You've gone through maybe seasons or even years of being out of fellowship with Him. Some of you, maybe this is your first Sunday in church in a long time, years possibly. God brought you here. He's reinstating you in your relationship with Him. And we have to accept that, listen, if Christ is going to reinstate Peter, He reinstates us. What this reinstatement means is Jesus is saying, I know you've sinned. I know you've denied me, but we're going, to make this, we're going to make this new again. Peter had an overestimation of his love for Jesus. He thought of himself more highly. I have, here the, here's a couple things. We're going to uh, conclude on this. I'm going to put them up here on the screen. This is what we see about Peter. Peter needed to be broken. He overestimated his love for the Lord, but he also needed to be restored. Guys, if you have a Peter in your life, someone who was made some bold statements and then they let you down, 
The ministry of the gospel is a ministry of reconciliation. Our relationships with each other have to be restored. If Jesus restores relationships, He expects you to do the same. When people disappoint and let you down, we don't write them off. We don't say, well, that Peter was a loser. I can't believe he did that. I'm going to go get me a new disciple. Get a new committee member, nominating committee. Let's vote on somebody else to replace him. No. Jesus went to him and said, hey, three times, do you love me? We can work through this. Peter had the spirit of the older brother in the parable, the prodigal son, the older brother. He stood out in the field. The father had to go to him. Remember, I preached on this a, few, a couple of months ago. Peter's just standing there on the beach. We're just going to pretend nothing's going to happen. Jesus is the older father. He had to bring it up. He had a spirit of rebellion. We're just pretending it's not happening. Peter's failure did not define him. All of us here have failed. God does not allow that to define who we are. Have you allowed people in your life, people who you love, their failures to define who they are? Well, they're a bum. They can't keep a job. They, uh, they can't handle money. They're wasteful. They're lazy. They're unchurched, and they, they hate the Lord. They've given up on this. You've allowed that to define them. God would not allow that to Peter. If Peter needed to be restored, so do you. And not only that, you need to restore others. Being a Christian is a ministry of reconciliation. We restore our brothers and sisters and our family members. And what, what happened to Peter here? Through suffering and trials, our faith is refined. Peter had to experience this denial, and he emerged a stronger, more godly man. When we get to the book of Acts we see a completely different Peter. This man is bold. This man is standing up at Pentecost, boldly proclaiming Jesus Christ. He's even volunteering to go to jail and die. He says, just go ahead and take me. I don't care. I'm not going to be quiet. You're not going to shut me up. Because <laughs> what I experienced with my Lord, and he, if He restored me, I can do it. Some of you are not Peters, and you're not bold because... You need the Lord to restore you. You're allowing your failure to define who you are. All you can think about is your divorce. You can think about your decades of being out of church. You can think about your adultery, your pornography, your letdowns, whatever you've gone through. It's defined your spiritual life. Some of you don't tithe. You're saying, well, God, I don't tithe. My money's in the pocket instead of the offering plates. And Jesus is saying, no, quit allowing that to define who you are and let the Lord restore you. We need to be Peter's. We're st Peter's standing on the beach. And Jesus comes to me and says, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter says, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. That is a recommitment. That's a rededication. Peter rededicated his life to Christ. Peter, sadly, is known by the man who denied Jesus. He's not always known as the man we see in Acts chapter 2 who's bold and willing to die and will preach anything for Jesus. What is defining your spiritual life? Some of you need Christ to come restore you. Other of you, you some of you need to go to other people and you need to say, we need to have a conversation. 
We need to have a Jesus-Peter conversation. We've got to talk about the elephant in the room. You just can't lie about me three times in a row and pretend you don't know me and then show up and go, here we are, let's walk on water again. No. Jesus forgave him and they moved on. Christ is calling you to do the same. We're about to have our Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a time for personal reflection in your life. We do the Lord's Supper seven times a year here at Broadway. Jesus took the Lord's Supper on Thursday night. After the Lord's Supper, Jesus was arrested. His betrayer showed up in the Garden of Gethsemane, and that's where the story we were just reading about here in John chapter 18 occurred. Lord's Supper is a time in our life we examine our life and say, Lord, do I love you wholly? Have I identified with you? Do I need to be restored? Where does my relationship stand with the Lord? It's a time for believers. If you are saved and you are a born-again, baptized believer, the Lord's Supper is for you. The, Judas did not participate in the Lord's Supper. The Bible says he slipped out. He didn't take the bread because he didn't identify with Christ. This is something for believers. I'm going to invite our deacons to come forward. They're going, we're, they're going to serve the Lord's Supper.
Man, you may be seated. During this time of the year here, right before Easter or in the Jewish time, the Passover, this is always a very special time of the year because it's uh, leading up to Easter and uh, Christ when he did celebrate the, the, his last meal there on that Thursday night with his uh, fellow disciples. But what happened during this is um, this bread here is symbolic of Jesus' body. We as believers, we're to do two ordinances. When, uh, when you become a born-again believer, you're to do two things. Number one, you're to get baptized. And number two, you're to absor- observe the Lord's Supper. So that's what we do. So anytime you do not absorb the Lord's Supper or you are not baptized, you're living in great disobedience to the Lord. That's how we identify with the Lord is through the Lord's Supper and through baptism. So this bread here represents Jesus' his body. So he, uh, the Bible says during the time of the Lord's Supper, he picked up the piece of bread and he prayed over it. So let's pray here over our bread. Lord, we thank you for this bread. We know this represents your body. Lord, you died for us. A great price was paid. Lord, this special time of year, here coming up on Passover and Easter and, and um, on the day that you died, Good Friday, we know we remember you. We identify with you as believers. Lord, we thank you for your body. We never want to underestimate what it cost on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Bible says after they served the bread, they then served the wine. So we have our grape juice that we're going to serve to represent Jesus' blood.
Deacons, y'all may be seated. During the time of the Lord's Supper, the reason we serve is because Christ served his disciples. So it's a, it's, this is an act, of, of sh- a symbolic act saying part of being a follower and disciple of Jesus Christ is you serve one another. So that's why we serve each other doing this. He picked up the cup. And Jesus explained that this cup represents his blood. Jesus was going to the cross. He was dying. Blood had to be shed for sins to be forgiven. If you remember in the Old Testament, the way they offered sacrifices, you would bring your lamb or your your animal up to the altar, and they would kill the animal. The blood would spill over the altar, and that's how the priests in the Old Testament, would, uh, would that would be the symbolic way to show you are forgiven of your sin. Well, Jesus in the New Testament, the New Covenant, is He is the offering. That's why his blood being shed on the cross is so important because that's the forgiveness of sins that we receive when you get saved. So he picked up the cup, he explained it, and he prayed over it. Let's pray over our cup. Lord, we thank you so much for this this juice. We know this is representative of your blood. You shed your blood so we can live. Lord, we just pray that we never forget the cost that was paid. Lord, forgiveness is something that only you can give so that we can be saved. Lord, we are in need of a Savior, someone who will forgive us. Lord, we, if, since we're forgiven, we must forgive other folks. We must restore other people because we've been restored in our relationship with you. Lord, we thank you for this cup, and we thank you for the Lord's Supper. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. After the Lord's Supper, it says they sang a hymn. Our hymn is our hymn of invitation. This is your opportunity to respond to God speaking to you in your life. We, have, we always close our worship services with an invitation, so it's your opportunity. You can join our church. You can get saved this morning. You can come forward to get baptized, and we'll schedule baptize, and this is your response to the Lord. So let's stand together. We're going to sing hymn number 256. I'll be waiting down front. 256 in your songbook. Have you been to the cross where the Lord Jesus Have you been to Calvary Have you been to the place of redemption for sinners Have you been to Calvary It was there on Calvary, God's dear Son laid down His life for you. While there's time, don't delay, place your faith in Christ Jesus. Turn your eyes now to Calvary. You can search, you can buy, and try everything man may, but it cannot satisfy. It is Christ, only Christ, who gives life more abundant, and he calls from Calvary. 
was there on Calvary. God's dear Son, His life for you. While there's time, don't delay. Place your faith in Christ Jesus. Turn your eyes now to Calvary. Thank you so much, David. Thank you so much for our, our playing. So I want to remind folks of several announcements. Uh, uh, always when we have the Lord's Supper, we have a, a benevolent fund that we uh, help folks who are in need. We actually help someone this week. So uh, any, uh, this, uh, six, seven times a year we do the Lord's Supper. We always have our deacons standing at the different exits there with an offering play. If you feel led, if you have uh, some change or some uh, money you want to put in there, it goes. Uh, it's a way that you can certainly give above and beyond, and it goes to help uh, needs as they come up. Our deacons uh, manage our benevolent funds. So want to remind folks about that. We'll have four, uh, uh, four different deacons at the, uh, at the different exits. Also, I want to remind folks, um, if you're a senior adult, you're part of our Young at Heart Senior Adult Ministry, they're going to the Chop House. Chop House, yes. So um, I've never been there, so um, we might go. We're thinking I about it. I so, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's on, off Richmond Road somewhere. But, um, but that, that's going on. Be, uh, rem remember next Sunday, we're coming up on a time of year. It's um, a great opportunity to invite folks to church. It's Palm Sunday. I think the children's choir is going to be singing next week as well as an Easter. So you want to invite folks to church uh, for Palm Sunday for Easter. So certainly want to invite uh, everybody to those events. We have a regular Wednesday night. Something interesting we're doing on Wednesday night, we're going to be learning about the different feasts of the Lord. And then we're going to have in two weeks, this week we're going to learn about the different feasts, about what it, the Passover represents. Passover meal, then we're actually going to have a Seder service on Wednesday night. There will be a reenactment, or not reenactment, it will be very similar to what it was like, uh, the actual food and uh, getting a sample of what, um, what that Jewish meal was like that Jesus participated in. That's in a week and a half. So that will be on, on Wednesday nights at 6.30. I'm going to ask David. He'll have a closing right. song. I don't know if you mentioned business meeting, but that is tonight also. You know, we're going to close with a different song that I had put on the program there. Today is Zach's birthday. Zach and Beth have made a huge difference in our church since they've been there, and his mother is here today from Oklahoma. We are well represented in Oklahoma. We're going to sing happy birthday to Zach all the way out of here. Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Zach. Happy birthday to you. Amen. God bless you, brother. <laughs>